There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could. This is the road <laughs> to infinity. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, all those who chose to oppose his shield must yield. If he's led to a fight and a duel is due, then the red and the white and the blue will come through when Captain America throws his mighty shield. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to uh, part two of our Winter Soldier coverage. Uh, if you are just picking up this feed, uh, we actually had such a, an immense amount of things to say about Captain America the Winter Soldier that we split this into two episodes. So right now you're listening to part two of our coverage. Uh, unfortunately, Denise had to step away. We had a, a, a one of our kids... And needed her, so she had to move away from the episode. So it'll just be uh, Lori and I from here on out. But uh, we have a lot of stuff still to cover and a, a lot of things to say about Winter Soldier. So if you haven't heard the previous one, make sure you listen to part one first uh, because we're going to reference it a lot. So this is part two. So take it away, me. Yes, and then uh, and then he catches the shield and and drop. But uh, the uh, um, how it should have ended, guys, had a good point. They they had. Uh, um, they, they play that scene, and then he catches it, and he goes, Hey, thanks for the shield! Yoink! And he, drum, he runs away with it. <laughs> it was like one of those, oh, yeah. <laughs> Why well, could have just kept it, but, yeah, okay. And we meet Agent 13, who uh, is not a big factor in this, but is, is uh, you know, is, is around for it, and she becomes important later on. That's my one quibble with, the, well, I have two quibbles with this movie, but that's one of them. Um, I like Sharon Carter. I think she's an awesome character, but... Mm-hmm. Anybody who watched the uh, Peggy Carter show on ABC knows Peggy had one brother mm-hmm. who died during the war. So we'll say 1943, right. somewhere abouts, meant that Sharon Carter, in yeah. order to be Peggy's niece, would have had to have been born no later than nine months after 1943. <laughs> well, she did. we don't know who she married. That's true. I mean, it could be a Carter by a different name, or it could be merely her working name, but... You know, it's it's one of those things where you go, hey. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting. I, I also, I didn't notice before when uh, she's talking on the phone in the hallway when Cap walks by, she's talking to her aunt. Right. And it's like, oh, <laughs> right, because Peggy knew the whole time. Like, she knew this was happening. And insomnia is a symptom of Alzheimer's, yeah. which I thought played well. And also, I thought it was interesting that she was a nurse in the infectious ward, because that's what uh, Steve Rogers' mother did for a living. Oh, Nick. Oh, Nick, you're good. <laughs> they were. So, yeah, so so now uh, Cap, no, yeah, so Cap goes to, to go to Pierce, and Pierce is trying to figure out... You know, like this is what I say. As I was watching, I was watching it from like sort of the Hydra perspective, from Pierce's perspective. What is his plan? When did he know it? When did he decide to activate it? So at this point, he's talking to Cap as like not he was never going to get Cap on his side. Like Cap was always going to be a problem that had to be eliminated. But at this point, he's trying to figure out: Does did Nick tell him what was going on? Had Nick figured out what was going on with Project Insight? 
what was going on with either with Hydra or with Zola, and did he tell Captain America? So he's trying to determine that at this point, just to get the information. Uh, but I mean, I think the question is, uh, was he waiting for Project Insight to take out Cap if that had not been the case, if Cap was still like loyal to S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, I think first he was doing damage control, like what do you know, who have you told, that sort of thing. Yeah. But also I, I feel like killing Captain America's bad press. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that's where they had the, 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 their plan was capture. Right. So Denise was saying, like, oh, come on, like, you guys are really going to take it out. But from from Rumlow's perspective, it's a pretty good plan. Again, like, just like taking out Nick, it's a pretty good plan because with Captain America, you have him isolated. No one else can help him. You have him in a closed space, a ton of guys. He can't really maneuver around. You have stun sticks. Trained soldiers, like, huh? this is like the ideal kill box. I mean, right. kill box being the, the term, not, not actually to try and kill him. But it's a it's a good plan. It's just Captain America's Captain America. And it also, the way he escapes by jumping out of the elevator and landing, also <laughs> sets up the idea that enhanced people can survive very long falls. Yes, very true. Uh, yeah, so, like, okay, so that is a absolutely amazing action scene. Like... Even just pull that out of anything and put it up. You can put that up against any great action scene, anything in the yeah. Matrix. I mean, like it's a it's a great great scene. And like I said, because it starts out with the building of tension. It's Captain America's still thinking. He's he's in his head about like what did Nick know and what what's going on and what was the conspiracy. And I got to get the drive. And then like guys are slowly coming in and he's starting to think, hey, yeah, something's going. Like you know, he yeah. starts looking around and starts putting it together, uh, and then like you see the point where he think I think the the sweat on the random businessman was like, okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> I see where this is going, <laughs> <laughs> and then it all kicks off. Kind of goes back to your point when they were trying to kill Fury. Like they sent in their A guys, they sent in very competent people, and they sent in an abundance of them, and they put it on their playing field and really limited Cap's resources. So, I mean, again, it's not him fighting paper villains. He's fighting people who are equally as trained as him. Yeah. And as it elevated Fury, it also elevates Cap. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, Because you can see see that Rumlow... Right, you see Rumlow, who eventually will become Crossbones in the in comic book lore. It, as a major, basically, this is what he is. He's a major thug. He is a is a serious threat. Like he has a bunch of guys, and he is a a serious like he can hold his own you know, for a time against a super soldier. And then also, I, I don't remember what his the person who places like his lieutenant, his like his main guy. But <laughs> that that guy's been in a bunch of action movies, and he's always seemed to play that guy. He was that guy in Batman versus Superman too. He was like the Oh, the main <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that what his name is? Yeah. Yeah. His well, his character—that's the character's name. His real name is Callum McMulvaney, or you know, kind of something Celtic. Okay. But yes, you're right. When I <laughs> saw him in uh, the Batman movie, I was like, "Hail Hydra!" <laughs> <laughs> there you are again. <laughs> It's you. <laughs> he was also in 300, but I don't remember him in that. Oh, well, I'd say he probably was just, you know, wearing a diaper. Well, I was going to say he was one set of abs among men. Right. <laughs> All the abs sort of blend together. <laughs> but yeah, so then, uh, then Caps on the Run, and like, like uh, Denise had mentioned, he, had, he takes out 
Like you can see why he is the super soldier because he takes out a Quinjet with just a shield. <laughs> oh, and so like you can see those the standing up in the elevator after you got out bloody and going, oh well, we never really had a chance, did we? <laughs> and then it's you know it's, it's Cap on the run. You know he's he's a fugitive from the government uh, and everyone's trying to to capture him. Uh, and then yeah, so, that was a glorious bit of movie too. Him going back to the hospital to get the. Uh, thumb drive and Natasha uh-huh. standing there blowing bubbles. Yeah. Oh, that was such um, a nice, because like, it's one of those like just movie things where like, if you didn't know, it's just, oh yeah, she has it. But it's, he hid it behind gum. Now she's chewing the gum because she bought it. Like she bought the gum. Yeah. It's a great, that, that is the mark of a great film maker. Like they, right. they would and just do that. And it explained 10 minutes of yes, backstory. Exactly. But, and then, <laughs> um, I remember uh, reading Roger Ebert talked about he, the moment he knew that star Wars was going to be a, a fantastic movie was when Chewbacca screamed at the little mouse droid, like the little robot runs up and Chewbacca goes, Oh, and he just, and it, goes, and it, and it drives away. He's like the fact that a filmmaker would take a moment to just have just a random bit of, fun yeah the- that he's like he's like right there he's like that and then the same kind of thing here it's just a random little the thing they put in that tells you so much without like like calling attention to it yeah or even just that is like the ultimate in like succinct storytelling yeah 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 and then just their, their whole like on the run in the mall is in a way it's like as we are unequipped to be superheroes they are unequipped to be just people in a mall right like like it's gonna walk around like how do people act how how do you do this how do you mall <laughs> yes. like they yeah they're but i mean of course natasha is like oh yeah here's how you do it like yeah. here's how you you here's how here's how to be ordinary let me give you some ordinary <laughs> yes. um so the uh the scene in the apple store where they go and they they try and figure this stuff out and the the helpful apple employee comes out to you that is actually a comedian his name is dc pearson he was on one of my favorite podcasts called I Was There Too, where uh, the host, Matt Gorley, interviews people who were extras or, or had minor roles in major movies. It's a, it's a, it's a, he, and he has some great stories about the filming of this. So I would say, like, once you're done with this podcast, and thank you for listening, uh, go listen to that one because he, he's a, the guy's a really good storyteller uh, and, and has some nice uh, stories about uh, the filming of this, the, his little <laughs> scene in, the, in this major, major movie. So yeah, they're on the run and have to, have to get there. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Denise had to, had to bow out. So it's just the two of us to, to muscle through the rest of the <laughs> thing. So we thank you for, we thank you, Denise, for your time. Thank you. Your contributions were invaluable it's taken us an hour and a half to talk about 45 minutes of movie no <laughs> it's like we might as well just have done a commentary we should have just watched it and just uh like one thing oh this this and this and this yeah so we'll like accelerate time so they they go to they meet arlem zola arlem zola is great because he was a he was a major part of the last one too a, a, the the scientist who was doing anything to preserve himself and now we've seen even the next part anything to preserve his life now he's transferred himself to computer consciousness yeah. in the comic books he's very much of a mad scientist he actually usually is a face in the chest of a robot like he has transferred himself in there so it's usually a robot and you just see his face is like a screen that's on there so they decided not to go quite that far but it was a nice little homage of having him as i love that they hadn't upgraded him <laughs> he was yeah. still real to real he's still on real to real tape i love it <laughs> just down in the basement still running the calculations but you know just on on miles and miles of of uh real to real tape right uh, and a little call back to steve's original training too and then they drop a missile on him right. <laughs> And then they're on the way, and then they, and then that's when we bring Sam back in. Okay, so then, oh. the moving, uh, jumping ahead, then to 
to, um, yeah. One of the things that gets kind of taught at you when you study film writing is to have sex at the 60 minute mark. Um, just cause that's when the plot is kind of generally at a lull <laughs> before the final act. And, uh, yeah. as I talked about how Sam and Nat's, uh, roles were kind of reversed, the sex at 60 has them showing up at Sam's house and, doing uh very mundane things such as showering and eating breakfast <laughs> that's right the longing looks and the right and the and the t- changing of clothes too and it's interesting that they made sort of cap the like in that scene you're right about the role reversals right that's usually the scene where it would be the guy sitting out there and the girls in the other room changing he's watching the mirror but this time it's natasha who's watching as he's you know as right. he's taking off his shirt. Exactly. And also, I want to know how Natasha got her hair back to that wonderful Brazilian blowout <laughs> straightness with only the supplies and Sam <laughs> has a buzz cut bathroom. Denise had the exact same question. She, she's like, <laughs> how did her hair get so... I'm like, ah, it's, it's spy magic, you know? <laughs> So at this point now we know it's Hydra. Hydra has been around the whole time. They've been manipulating stuff. We get to see them uh, taking uh, credit for the death of the Starks, which will be a major point of contention in the next in the next movie uh, of the series. But then they go. So then they go and 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 I think this is where we get into uh, the first major sort of what I consider a continuity error, uh, a, a problem of of uh, of the embarrassment of riches. So they go. They they get Sam involved, and so. Here she's. Uh, he has one of my favorite lines. Uh, I never said pilot. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you get him involved, and they go and they kidnap Jasper Sitwell, who we now know is Hydra agent. Right. Uh, and they come off the roof, and Sam gets him and, and brings him back and stuff too. And then, then he starts listing off people. Uh, everyone, every I know every hardcore Marvel fan knows what I'm talking about right here. But it's when he starts talking about Project Insight, how they're going to take out all these people. You know from. The algorithm says uh, from a valedictorian here to a guy in Cairo over there to Bruce Banner to Stephen Strange. Yes. Okay. So nice shout out. Like everybody was like, oh, Stephen Strange. That's Dr. Strange. That's amazing. However, what we now know from further down the line, Dr. Strange, at this point, Dr. Strange is just a successful neurosurgeon. That's it. And jerk. Why in the world would he be on the algorithm A and mentioned by Jasper Sitwell B? Like he's just a guy. So, but and, and I know why filmmaking wise, I know why it's because right. they hadn't made the Doctor Strange movie yet. They were still figuring it out. Uh, and I think the original pitch for it was that he was going to the movie was going to start with him as Doctor Strange already, oh. and they would just sort of like yeah. sort of allude to what his history was instead of doing a full origin story. Right. Um, I guess I but took. I don't know how to retcon that. <laughs> I took it as faith in their algorithm. Like mm. he he fit a certain amount of criteria. You know, he had the right test scores and the right this and the right that. So even though people who knew him in the personal sense would probably go, "That guy's a jerk," <laughs> full of himself, not a superhero, nothing great about him except for his ego. Like yeah. for whatever reason, he fit he fit that. Yeah, yeah. As, you know, I would say there's not really an explanation. I, I, I and it's one of those things where I assume that Marvel would just be like, <laughs> "What are you gonna do?" and just move on. Um, all right, so then. Uh, uh, so then we 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 get the guys in it together, and then it turns out Nick Fury is alive. What? The spy master has, has faked his death, and then so we get the the gang is now together. Of like, here's what we're gonna do, and that's when the, the cap, you know, and it is it is very much his, you know, carrying his righteous flag is, you know, that's like Shield has to go to. You know, we have to. It's all got to go. It's all got to be burned down. We can't just pick the parts we want to. It's all has right. to. It's just very Steve Rogers, soldier, black and white, sort of like this, this is what it has to be. And they all sort of kind of agree to that. So so here is where there is a, I, I think, 
uh, and, and a great, great film. I think they made a mistake in cutting the scene. In the deleted scenes, there is a moment where Natasha is looking over the information and figuring out the plan in, in their secret little hideaway. Mm-hmm. And Nick comes in and she is a little bit miffed that he didn't right. include her, the fact that he was alive. Right. Like she's sort of mad about this. But while they're having this conversation, he also gives her the mask, the, the digital right. mask that makes, you know, that so she can uh, disguise herself as something else. He doesn't exactly explain what it is. He just says, here, you should probably have this. It might help you. Uh, and then they have their their moment, and it's it's maybe like a minute, two minute scene or whatever. Uh, it's a really good scene, but they cut it out of the movie, which then leaves a huge plot hole later on because there's that moment later on when the the council is there, yeah. and all of a sudden one of the counselors, this old woman, starts kicking ass, and you're like, "That's so cool!" And they pull the mask off, and it's Natasha. You're like, "What? Yeah, how did?" Yeah, <laughs> there was like this big sort of like in the movie theater. <laughs> that was my other quibble when I mentioned I had to like I was like so yeah. in love with this random badass older female, and then it was like, yeah. oh, it's Natasha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Instead of the oh moment, you get the oh. oh okay, it's her. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess I, I mean, reading in just in a little synopsis, like apparently uh, Scarlett didn't like that scene either because of how how she was how it was played or something. I don't, I don't know. But I, as I watched the scene again, there's there's a couple of deleted scenes on, on the uh, uh, digital version of it, uh, and I think all of them actually could have been put back in the movie with no problem at all, and actually would have helped in a couple situations. And that one, uh, that one is the most egregious, I yes. think, because it does like. It's a, it's the Chekhov's gun. Yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't establish it in one at all, and they fire it in three. And you're like, where was the where the gun come from? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then we find out Patrick's Insight is is a bunch of helicarriers are going to blow up a bunch of bunch of people, uh, and then we get the CGI. And now this is incredibly CGI. Like from here on out, it has to be. I'm not I'm not ragging on for doing that, but it doesn't feel as like computer generated as a lot of the stuff is. I mean. Right. A lot of these modern blockbusters, especially modern superhero stuff, it ends up just being, uh, I talked to like uh, CGI action figures just banging together, right. and that's your fight. This is like a ton of CGI all over the place, but it, it feels real right. because the stakes are real. And we know that our heroes, even though they are Captain America and they are the Falcon and Black Widow, they're still just people with a little bit of enhancement. Like they're not... Tony Stark. They're not Thor. Right. They are very vulnerable. And at this point, Falcon was extremely vulnerable because he was the new guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they easily could have killed him off for a, a big emotional impact. Right. But so uh, as their CGI things are flying around and exploding and, 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 and healthcare stuff, I never really got that sense of like, ah, it's fake. Eh, fake. <laughs> that I have in some of the other, these other blockbusters, even other Marvel movies. Uh, because I thought they... they they did as well. I don't know if it was editing or just filmmaking or just the, the high quality of their CG, but I think that all the fight scenes of the three different, having to take out the three different helicarriers at the same time was phenomenal. Did I, and I know I'm trying to move faster because we're, we're, we're getting into all this stuff. Did I, did I miss anything to skip over everything that you wanted to talk about leading up to the final fight? Uh, well, let's just go back to the causeway for just a little bit. Cause I think that, okay. I mean, Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. We didn't, we didn't talk about that. Oh yeah. That's, which is, which is huge. <laughs> that again, Next to the and more than the helicarriers is like the scene that most people yes. walk away from the movie because yes. um, there's still being impressed. So by. much storytelling that happens in that the, yeah. those scenes. So yeah, go ahead, kick it off. So they're trying to let's say let's see, rewind a little bit. So they're on that way. They're trying to 
They have Jasper Sitwell. They're going to use him to break into uh, the the Triskelion and and shut down the program. So like that's their their thing. It's like we're like four three heroes and and, a, and their villain okay. guy in the car trying to block the way, and then all hell breaks loose. Yes. <laughs> First, Jasper is yanked through the window and thrown into the. Uh... I don't know if it's the Atlantic or where. <laughs> I think actually it's thrown into um, oncoming traffic. Because okay. there's, like a, weird, oh, the there's other, a weird fan yeah. theory about this this yellow uh, rental truck that passes through the movies. I think he's, suppose he gets hit by the same rental truck that earlier on hit oh, the... Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very odd theory. You can look it up online. But. The DOT would never allow that truck back on that quickly <laughs> after... <laughs> That's right. Or, yeah, it's, or, it's, or it's one guy who keeps renting trucks and is having a terrible, terrible day. Yes. <laughs> well, that is a uh, B-class truck, so that would not be driven by somebody without a CDL. Oh. Oh, okay. Drops a real world knowledge in here. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Then comes my favorite moment of all in the entire movie, uh, where the Winter Soldier then smashes out the windshield of Sam's car and rips out the steering wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what better way to disarm a vehicle? And then, yeah, then, and then, which causes them to close control because, yeah, you're in that, there's that moment of like, oh, what the hell do I do? <laughs> yeah, like, how work? <laughs> and then, and that, so that leads to uh, Denise's favorite action thing is that the, the car flips and Cap grabs both of them and knocks out the door and like lands and holding yeah. both of them as they land on the door on the side as it slides along the ground. <laughs> Prior to that, too, Natasha has a really great moment where, she knows the Winter Soldier is on the roof of the car, so she busts her way into the front seat, pushes Cap out of the way of the Winter Soldier's first shot, and then pushes Sam out of the way of Winter Soldier's <laughs> second shot. Yeah, like she she would know, like, if I was doing this, here's what I would do. <laughs> She's like, so she knows where the bullets yep. are going to go. Yeah, there's that situational awareness then. There's the, her yes. superpower. <laughs> yes. So then uh, they have to fight their way uh, out and then Nat does the great thing where she has the grappling hook. Which is one of those like that's always been a Black Widow thing. Like it's uh, like even from back from like I remember right. reading her comics in the eighties and she had that grappling hook thing. Just to see the grappling hook actually come into play was one of those great fandom moments for me. Mm-hmm. Like oh she has it. That's so cool. Yes. <laughs> Micro grapple. Uh, and then then we were talking. We alluded to earlier. She runs underneath and then sees the Winter Soldier's shadow. Yeah. So she knows exactly where he is and then just like gets out just enough so and then starts firing at him from up there and him uh, with his huge weapons with her pistols yes <laughs> again the but I, I get if she's undercover right. so she only has like the small amount of stuff okay later yeah. on she'll she'll pick up weapons and use them later on but yeah still she's still scary but she does get to use the right the, her her uh the widow's bite her wrist gauntlets a couple times in the movie which i was pleased with uh then and it takes and, they, and i also like it's it's a very much of a supervillain power move yeah uh as they walk that they hand him the weapons. <laughs> I just love that. Like it's just like like he has a like he has a steward. Yes. Let me have the, the grenade launcher now, please. Yes, sir. here they go. So he'll he'll a little patsy. Or the fact that I am wearing ninety four guns and knives, but I want that gun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah. So then, the guys do have the uh, again, well, well planned out uh, Hydra soldiers. They're actually carrying uh, climbing axes. Yeah. Uh, plant them in the cars and rappel down. And, okay. So this is there's there's so many great things going on in this scene. Yes. Well, one of the things I want I want to give a shout out to is the sound design. The sound design in this scene is amazing. Like, there's a thousand reasons to watch this 
this scene again. And so go back again and just listen to how they do it. And when the guy with the minigun, which is a, a really weird name for a really big gun, the, the, the Gatling gun style, is on the, and is blasting. And so Cap is behind his shield. He's already, the bus has already crashed over. He's already gotten out. He's walking up. And you can hear the ricochets of the bullets on his shield and how they change as he moves. Yes. And, and also how he redirects the bullets into the other guys from the minigun. It is so cool <laughs> like right. hearing the like it's just this great like i don't know the, uh, i don't know who that was there's some guy who spent hours fine-tuning that sound effect and I, I don't know who you are sir but i or madame but i applaud your efforts it yes. was it paid off it added so much to that scene the whole scene actually is is incredibly well sound designed but they're like a couple of ones like that and then natasha's phone later on are great sonic moments right <laughs> a moment for the greatness of the scene right <laughs> so all right so then we get to see okay so then then we get to it we finally get captain america versus the winter soldier and uh, what i like about this is it's cap with his shield and the winter soldier with everything he can put his hands on <laughs> and that's what that shows that, that the, there's a lot you could be said and, and smarter people probably have about the the yin yang the polar opposite of the winter soldier to captain america right. winter soldier will do we use anything have anything he's good at with everything and captain pretty much just sticks with his shield right. and so the fight is between the two of them and which soldiers grab i, I, I keep wanting to call him bucky because i know him as bucky so well now uh, <laughs> he's pulling knives he's pulling guns he's pulling like he, explosives and grenades and like everything he can possibly do and the two of them are and, and but the thing is he's not dominating but he's also not losing he's right. the two of them are they're they're almost cancel each other out right. because they're they're so well matched well and i i feel like when he takes cap's shield for a moment not only does that scene mirror the one from the first avengers in the train where bucky has the shield yeah when he plants it in the van i think it's a sign showing that he knows cap will instinctively try to get back to his weapon and so it's a way to have him always know where steve is headed next yeah so and then i mean just the knife along the van was <laughs> yeah, <I'm> so brutal. <laughs> or that that fight. There's a there's a, a a video I found online of Sebastian Stan training uh, for that fight. Yeah, uh, and watching him be terrible with the knife. Yep. <laughs> like dropping and stuff and then all of a sudden like he's holding on to it and, and by the end of it he's like not even paying attention as he's flipping it from hand to hand yes like it's it's so ingrained it's like just watching the the progression of it right uh, yeah i i the, both their I, I don't know who their their stunt performers are uh but i know that both sebastian stan and chris evans did a bunch of their own stunts they oh. were extremely good and the stunt team was very very pleased with both of them at how much stuff they could do uh, even just watching today about the preparation for the, the elevator fight, which is the first thing that they actually shot on this movie. They said you can show Chris a series of 15 moves twice and he has it. Like he's ready to go for the, the full fight scene and he would never, you know, miss a punch or anything. He's a natural athlete. And I think Sebastian Stan, which we would not really suspect, is, is also that same way too. He's like a natural physical guy and he can pick up that stuff just as well because he, like we were talking about earlier about looks like he can swing a punch. He legitimately looks tough. Right. There's, there's a lot of pretty boy actors <laughs> who don't really look that great. Like, you know, Ben Affleck is a great Batman, true. But, boy, when you watch him run, you wish, you wish he wouldn't. Yeah, he would. <laughs> from the like, shoulders down. <laughs> yeah, I, I like uh, Denise and I have a big thing about about actors running. Like we're a big thing, like critiquing like uh, the guy. Tom Cruise, man, 
that guy runs in everything and he's so great at it. He can like aqua running, but there are so many actors who cannot run. You just like know that they never got the blue ribbon in field day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of great physical acting in this movie too. Um, you know, we talked about it with Natasha, how she moves and uh, the winter soldier, like when he jumps off the bridge and lands on that car and then does the murder strut, yeah. Are like it, he looks super evil and scary, but it, there's also like a swagger to it. He's coming yeah. for you, and so I just I feel like a lot of actors in this movie pulled off little moments like that that you know really elevated it from believable to memorable. Yeah, uh, it's interesting how over the course of time that you get to see the the character sort of become more like the actor the, as, as they get to play multiple times. I mean, like yeah. you know, Robert Downey Jr. was that guy from the beginning. He's always been the consistent. But I I really like how Falcon is in this and how how he's played by Anthony Mackie. <laughs> very still and very just like you know, like Sir Cat. And I like the the more like but Anthony Mackie is not that way at all he is really funny he is silly he's I mean like you see any behind cut the check you know you need behind the scenes stuff you see he's very just like and Falcon isn't <laughs> I always find that so interesting that he played he's so still he's very still and as opposed to the other people like when he's around like Captain America he's always like he's, he's very just like very poised very posed yeah right he's very fun, very loose very fun everything too but Falcon is not right. uh, and it's just, I think it's, it's, a, it's another way that you can see when they're all together that how he physically carries himself is very very different and that was another great moment of the Causeway scene too when he sneaks up on that Hydra agent shivs his gun. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. He cuts the strap of the gun and grabs the gun and kicks the guy off. It's kind of what you go back to the, the Sunshine Soldier and the Winter Soldier yeah. thing you quoted. Like no one would have blamed Falcon at that point for going. I am at way over my head and I am not the target. So bye. Yeah. Grabbed a knife, stole a gun, and started helping Captain America. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, Even, it, wasn't in a suit at the time. No. Wasn't just had gone through a supermanic art crash. You know? Right. He knew going in, he was not going to be able to keep up with him. Like that was the whole first scene. Like, right. I, like right. I'm just yeah. I like the his line later on is uh, I do what he does, just only slower. But I'm going to follow my captain. Yeah, and I'm going to do the right thing, and I am going to do as much as I can within my abilities. You know, and it was again, it was just another one of those uplifting moments. You can find ways to be a hero. Yeah. So, so we get to the, the we'll jump back to because I, I, I can't believe we almost missed that because it's one of my favorite scenes in all of Marvel. I know, anyway, I know one of yours too. So we jump forward to the, the final battle and and we get to the scene that uh, that Denise actually can't watch, <laughs> which is. <laughs> The final fight between and Bucky, not like not the original one where he's like they're you know trying to put the the clip in or whatever. It's afterwards when Cap just sort of is trying to get Bucky to remember that who he is, and it's just basically letting himself be beat. Right, just like she can't, like emotionally, she just can't handle it. She can't Steve being beat up. That Bucky's the one doing it. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a tough scene to watch because you know it's that I'm with you to the end of the line. Like it's him just like okay, man, like you like we we save the stuff now. Now it's like now it's all about you and me. What one of the things I think is super great is that scene is so brutal and just nothing beautiful about it. Yeah. The Winter Soldier is using his metal fist to beat Steve. Steve is yes. you know, taking a hammering to the face, which is 
always tough to watch no matter who's doing it. And then when he gives the final punch and Steve falls into the water, like that is just beautiful cinematography. The, the scene of him floating. And then when he's like falling through the water and I just thought it was really interesting that they put probably the prettiest scene in the movie right after one of the most brutal. Yeah. Yeah, true. Bloody carnage and beating and stuff, and then and then you have this like he's and then it's once again it's Cap back in the water, right? Like unconscious back in the water, just like at the end of, of First Avenger, like and also another fall. Yeah, right, another fall, <laughs> and then somebody else getting somebody else getting pulled out of the thing, and two, and then uh, you can see he's still alive because he's still breathing, and then the Winter Soldier sort of walks away. Yeah, uh, and we don't know we don't know what that what that means. Only that he's only that he saved Cap and he's well, not breathing. It's interesting, too, that, like, in the kind of scenes after that, there's a lot of walking away in this movie. Um, Captain America has kind of walked away from S.H.I.E.L.D. and sort of, you know, doing things just for country. And Natalia kind of walks away to discover who she is. And Fury Mm -hmm. walks away from kind of legitimate uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. work, you know, and the minor characters like Maria and Sharon kind of, you know, they both continue to go do good in their own ways, but they walk away from shield as well. So, I mean, it's, yep. it's super interesting that, you know, the, the, the end message of the movie was kind of, you know, sometimes you need to walk away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, as, uh, as Marvin Gaye plays over, they all uh, sort of move on from uh, what they had known yeah. into to brand new uh, uncertain futures. Yeah. And futures that will be uh, very different from the past. Yeah, yeah, and and, and then we sort of like the and and Bucky's sort of moving away moment. Winter Soldiers, I should say, because at this point he's still in between, right. is actually the the final Easter egg. Like it's the end of the credits is like his moment too, where right. he goes to the Smithsonian. Which I thought when they when Cap first visits there, I thought it was a nice. A little uh, kind of Easter egg that Gary Sinise was the voice of the Captain America exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a nice little, <laughs> a little thing. Um, but uh, then he goes to visit and to find out who this Bucky Barnes was, that was the person that he was. Well, and then just the, like, no words spoken, nothing like that, but just the, like, emotion that filters through his face, like, three distinct, like, oh my gosh, <laughs> and then... <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh, then like a swear word, and then like, uh-huh. I'm gonna burn them all to the ground. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, what does this mean for me? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, like, uh, everyone at the end of this thing is, is pretty, is, is devastated in their own ways. Right. Like, uh, it, I mean, everything has been sort of burned to the ground, uh, and they all have to, to start over in their lives. Right. Um, which, which, as a as an ending for a major superhero movie is pretty bleak, but right. they, I mean they find a good way to do it because it's there's that note at the end of like the final scene in the graveyard uh, where Nick is sort of like, all right, well then I'm dead. That's a nice little Pulp Fiction uh, shout out to the the quote on the grave was Ezekiel twenty five seventeen, and then you know Nick is going his way, and Natasha is going to. She, she even says like, I don't know where I'm going, you know, yeah. but she's kind of looking forward to the journey. Like she doesn't know what's the, what she's going to be now, uh, and then Sam is going to follow Cap wherever he goes. Right. Well, you know, in that where do we start? Yeah, like I mean, it kind of mirrors Cap's story where he has to figure out where he fits mm-hmm. in and in a time he never should have made it to, and you know, now everyone else is kind of in the same boat. So I think it kind of made his journey a little bit more relatable. He's no longer yeah. the butt of Grandpa jokes in Avengers. 
movies and things <laughs> like that. That's right. Yeah, this was just, I mean, I think this movie was very good. It, it, it landed in the exact right spot in the uh, kind of flow of the Marvel movies, too. I think it kind of mm-hmm. laid waste to a lot of what came before it, but in a respectful storytelling way. And also opened up the future for a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it really did it. Uh, a lot of times for these things, they would they would really be playing it safe. <laughs> you know, like they have shield, they have all this stuff, but instead they they really took a big risk in terms of like not only how they present all the stuff, but introducing new characters and and hoping that you'll love them, and and also really upsetting the status quo because it, it, it's like you, they really could have kept on as just Nick was in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it was the Peacekeeper organization and all that stuff, but instead they took a much bigger stance right. and, and completely upended the apple cart. <laughs> let it just follow the main and, and then, you know, like, let the future guys worry about that. Well, <laughs> uh, and 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 the, the amazing thing with Marvel, and it worked. <laughs> well, I think uh, not to sound too eighth grade English, but you know, I think thematically, a lot of what they said was was super powerful, like what you just mentioned, and then also like this movie really taught me that good stories don't give us the answers; they teach us how to ask questions. So, I mean, we're not necessarily concerned about whether. Bucky Barnes was a villain or a victim for doing what he did while he was brainwashed from Hydra, but it helps us decide about cases like Patty Hearst or the people from the Manson family, you know, which isn't world-ending, but it's still the same question. And so the fact that, like, all the characters in the movie are kind of going through that own thought process themselves, I thought S.H.I.E.L.D. was good, and they weren't, and how do I prevent that from happening again? Or they never really do answer the question, you know, is it better to be secure than free? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they, they really get... We didn't even... We, we still got caught up in the comic bookiness of it, that we, we sort of didn't even talk about the, the big themes yeah. of it, too, about that. Because, like, But the fact that, at this point, I mean, as I said, we're looking over the list of... Like, the fact that we get to this point in uh, in the Marvel movies and they're they're starting to in a comic book movie about Captain America a man literally draped in the flag that we're asking these big questions about security and freedom and the country and the future and what we learned and war in, the in a comic book movie yeah. right yeah i mean these are these are big questions and they're being asked by Captain America yeah. like <laughs> Wow, that's that's kind of amazing, and and, and th- this is just the start of it. We're going to see, obviously, a, there's a, a another major Marvel movie that's out right now that's asking some very very big questions too. Uh, so it's not this is just the start of it. No spoilers. I'm seeing it tomorrow. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm just saying it also raises up a bunch of really interesting questions, and and we'll be talking about that. Uh, yeah, so, uh, towards the end of April, uh, <laughs> so I have to keep remembering because yeah, it was it was even uh, uh, last week when we were recording, uh, we kept having one to talk about this kind of thing. But that's that's for the future. But it's 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 big ideas, big questions uh, that they're actually presenting, as opposed to just uh, fighting the big guy with the big suit of armor or something. Yeah. You know, it's 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 we, we've how uh, their their storytelling, their confidence has has raised this point, and like. Even I, I think as another as a turning point, like from this point, it's just bang, 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 bang. I mean, like everything they do from here on out is either great or really interesting. Right. Uh, I, I mean, and they don't even take the easy route as far as like our bad guys are basically neo Nazis. They yes. don't go like that's bad, right? 
I mean, <laughs> find ways to make these people fairly grotesque in their own special ways. Yeah, yeah, they're still we're still in the midst of their villain problem. Now this this one they nice they sidestep because they they make it that it was it was the the one that was there all along. It's also are our villains ourselves you know we've met the enemy and he is us yes because because i mean you know you have now it's not only is it robert freaking redford but also like the voice of authority and security and like you know he's a he's a reasonable middle-aged to older white guy mm-hmm. you know no suits no powers he's just a guy but he also is like has this sort of wacko <laughs> crazed world belief but he articulates it very calmly and that's a that is really a great villain he does not get in the, enough press because he doesn't carry a, a big magical hammer or uh you know wear a giant suit of armor but he is just as scary of a villain as a lot of these other ones are and, and even better i would say than than the the mwahaha i'm going to end the world right because he like and, and like i always talk about with um how good is the villain's plan pretty freaking good plan i mean like yeah. <laughs> all the way through he's very very close to winning it's a play like he had a very good plan and had anticipated what the response to all these things would be. It's just it, the sheer bloody mindedness and, and will of our heroes that they were able to do it because it really was just like a massive world destroying organization and then like three, four people. Yeah. And the fact that it was so time compressed, yeah. like that really, I think, cut out the possibility of like intrepid reporter finding out and trying to tell the world. Like, <laughs> this, this happened within yes. a matter of a couple days. Yeah. yeah. About three days. And with the exception of a couple major incidents, like, nothing newsworthy about it right yeah i mean by by the time that any of like the avengers wherever they were whatever they were doing would be able to respond it was sort of like it would be over right you know like just even getting the flying across to get to dc to find out it's like then all of a sudden then <laughs> the time you're right it's like uh, the one the one omission that i that I, I i do miss and that i apparently was was in the movie in the script stage but never was actually shot was hawkeye there was going to be they were either going to talk about why he wasn't there, or there was going to be one scene where he is sent to take Cap out and intentionally misses. Mm. Like during the Cap escape, like he's on a Quinjet and he fires his arrow and misses him, and you know, like they're like, "Oh well, what are you going to do?" Like as sort of like a like, "Oh okay, well now I have to go." You know, it's, a, it's but yeah. they thought, "Ah, there's enough characters, there's new paperwork that like there's enough going on, we don't need that too." But it, it is he is sort of you know, suspicious by his absence, as he is a as a Shield agent, right? Uh, Closely connected to to Black Widow in this in this universe, um, that they don't even mention him at all. Yeah, you know, the only the only nod you get is the arrow shaped necklace that Natasha wears. Right, which I was when uh, it turned out he was married and yeah. <laughs> had a secret farm family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, a lot of, there's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, of uh, interesting character choices they make in Age of Ultron that we'll get into when we talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but he, and here he is, it is suspicious that he is not absent and entirely not mentioned. I understand you can't bring everybody in, you can't have everybody all the time, but you know, to yeah. even just acknowledge, you know, at least they, they had some lip service in Avengers as to where Jane Foster was, like, you know, right. Hawkeye is now a part of the Avengers and a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Where the hell is it? Yeah, like all they would have said is, we like, could have Steve say, where's Hawkeye? You know, like, I'm worried right. about yeah. him, the bad guy too. Oh, he's on assignment in, in, you know, insert Marvel in-joke here. Oh, he's yeah. in, you know, like, uh, wherever. Uh, well, again, if they could explain how Natasha got a hold of the thumb drive with, a you know, one piece of bubblegum being 
being blown <laughs> right you know they could have done something equally as clever for hawkeye yeah or even just even just do the like the uh peggy carter on the phone thing just have like natasha be like no no i got this like you don't want you don't want any part of this stay home that's all she would have had yeah to exactly yeah, stay home. There you go, and that that would lead us to where he we find him in uh, Age of Ultron. All right, so uh, so a couple of cameos that uh, we missed in the discussion. Uh, Danny Pudi from Community yeah. uh, shows up as a tech uh, at Shield uh, in, the, in the final thing, and uh, the the one that I, I get the most joy out of as a writer uh, is we talked about Ed Brubaker. Ed Brubaker is in the movie. Yeah, like uh, the creator <laughs> of Winter Soldier was actually allowed to do a cameo, which is which is pretty darn cool in the scene where in the bank vault where. Mm-hmm. Pierce goes to uh, uh, get a mission report from the Winter Soldier, which uh, there's another fusion. He asks for a mission report. We know later on that Zemo will be obsessed with getting a mission report. <laughs> that, uh, so there, there are two uh, technicians that are, are with there. There's one guy with a bow tie, and there's one guy without a bow tie. The guy without a bow tie is Ed Brubaker. He is the creator of the Winter Soldier. Uh, and they allowed him to come in and do his thing, and he's like basically gets to torture his own creation, essentially. Yes. Gets to put the metal things on him and do it. So it was a nice little uh mind. so well we've, we've talked about wind soldier not as much as it deserves but as much as we probably have time for uh <laughs> what are your uh, what are your final thoughts on uh on uh, captain america the sequel it's one of the greatest marvel movies ever it is a good movie on its own i think it stands up as far as action films just even outside of the genre um i won't say i, I, I don't want to say peak marvel because that would imply that it goes down from here because actually but this is like a definitely a plateau because it, it, it just goes up from here uh i think this is a definitely a turning point for marvel where it just it went on from just being just good comic book movies to just flat out good movies uh not that the yeah. other ones were not but i think uh this was a a huge jump ahead uh, and and set the tone for that because from here on out we don't hear as much about the interference by the studio and, and that stuff though, though though there's a major element of that coming uh, <laughs> we don't hear as much about that like they really have sort of get a harmony about having the right creative team and, and the right character and, and moving forward together with with one major exception but uh, and but this is this is like a is this the best Captain America movie that's really hard to say because all three of them are so freaking good it is the best Marvel trilogy. Iron Man has been the other one, but we're 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 getting to it in, on some of the other ones. Uh, but I I don't see how anything can can match it. It is some of the best storytelling Marvel's done. Some of the best special effects they've done. It is really a high watermark for comic book movies. That's that uh, almost like that's where it, you see the competition. Some of they do, and it's just sort of embarrassing. Where it's like, well, look what they did. <laughs> look, look what they did yeah. here, and you can't even. It's, it's ten years later, and you still can't. Yeah. Well, not ten years. I, I said five years, but but yeah, it's it is one of my favorite of the Marvel films. I, I enjoy watching it every single time. It's one of those. If I see any part of it, I just want to watch it from that point on. Yeah, uh, you can pull pieces out of it, and they still stand up on their own. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it is, it is a great, great movie. So as you can tell, that's how I don't know, how, how long this ends up being. <laughs> we talk for a long time. About it. Uh, and, and we could still go on because there's still things that uh, in my notes that we missed. Just had to, at some point we have to they have to go on with our lives. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you guys all for uh, for listening to this. Thank you, Lori, for uh, for piping in. Uh, I, I knew I definitely wanted to have you on here because I know your 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 uh, uh, deep feelings for Sebastian Stan and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, I've, 
I think, deeper feelings for the movie itself. Okay. It's just that darn good. Yeah. So uh, thank you all for listening. As always, thank you to Engineer Alice for putting this all together. The professionalism all comes from her. All the mistakes are my own. I helped. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next week, we will be uh, heading away from all of this mess that they've created here, and we will be heading to the stars because we'll be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, a very, very different Marvel movie, but just to, to show how, how malleable the brand is at this point. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, and uh, we'll see you further on up the road. You've been listening to the Road to Infinity podcast, brought to you by Legible Scrawl. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or even at our website at www.legiblescrawl.com. We'll see you further on up the road.